less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Short. Martin, we're back with rapid fire questions. Do you okay. feel like your seat's pretty hot right now? Uh, we can always just delete this episode, so I'm not worried about <laughs> it. Well, you on the previous one, you gave me very specific Martin or marketing questions, and uh, I mine are kind of across the board here. So okay, just be ready to fly by the seat of your pants. Okay, let's let's go. I'm gonna I'm gonna be much faster with you, and I'm gonna be. I'm going to stick to the one minute pretty hard. So okay. here we go. All right. First question. Give us the story behind the name Anil Business Coaching. Annealing is a process that used in industry of heat treating glass and metal that reduces stress and increases strength. So it's uh, that's where the word came from. My target audience or my target market for a long time was what I call industrial builders, manufacturers, um, contractors, many of whom understand the meaning of that word. It's also a very bad example of good marketing because my business should be called business coaching. Anyway, that's, that's an example of being too clever, but I liked it because that's what I try to do is reduce stress and increase performance. And that's where the name came. Okay. Very good. Next question. What sets you apart from other business coaches or consultants? All business coaching is exceedingly per personal. Um, you can follow formula and things like that, but good, effective business coaching is very personal. So uh, there are people I mesh with and there are people I don't mess with. And what makes me mesh with people, I think, the ones I do, is my experience. I've been in business now eight years across uh -huh. probably eight uh, different industries, all industrial type. Um, but it's my experience, and it's also my father, uh, who was well-read, widely ranged. He was an entrepreneur. He had successful businesses, and basically, I said, there's nothing I know that my father didn't ultimately the source of me understanding it. Very, very good. Okay, next question. Who is your favorite client that you've had, and why? Nope. I'm not going to answer. Well, get, who is a favorite client? I have more than one favorite client, but the ones that I really, really, really enjoy are the ones who do the things that we talk about. Coaching oftentimes is like joining a gym. People join in January, go down and sign up because they feel as if they've done something and then they never go back. Uh, the ones who do the things and we get measurable progress, not only embellish or not embellish, but enhances their lifestyle and enhances mine because I can see objectively that I actually helped that person. And I don't care if I get credit. I know I did and I, or I know I didn't. I, I don't have to have somebody tell me that. And my whole identity, my value of myself is how well I've helped other people. So my favorite ones are the ones, and I could name some, I'm not going to, but yeah. who actually do the things we talk about. That probably answers the next question, but who is your least favorite client and why? Maybe give us some examples of, and obviously don't share names, but what was it like? What, yeah. why did it go wrong? What, how did it actually look? I remember one client, he had a pretty significant business, but he was already running a business that ran without him. And I knew that because when I went into his office, uh, he turned on the light on his desk and there was dust in an arch in front of him where he'd put his arms 
he didn't even know where his office was. And anyway, so we sat and we talked about the things that we need to do. And the next month he said, I said, what did we get this, this, and this done? He goes, Martin, I'm not going to do any of this stuff. So I didn't dislike him. I did, but yeah. we parted company right there. He goes, I'm not going to do all this. There you so go. That's my least favorite. Okay. Not, not that one, that type. Gotcha. Okay. Next question. What are the indicators of a successful business owner? before they are successful? Uh, I have, I was asked on a podcast one time to discuss the traits of a success or the most important factors in a successful business owner. And I answered off the cuff quickly. If I think about it, I can come up with a huge list, but the three I came up with was a successful business owner views business as an adventure. Okay. And by that, I mean, there are ups and downs, there are successes, there are failures, there are drawbacks, there's stress, there's triumph, defeat, all those things, but they're on an adventure and they see it that way. They think about their business all the time. Doesn't mean they're working all the time, but they're fully engaged. That is a prerequisite. If you don't feel a way about your business and you haven't for a long time, perhaps you need to do something else. Okay. Second thing was they tend to be decisive. And by decisive, I don't mean that they make snap decisions, but you, by the time you have all the information necessary to make the right decision, the thing, the event has already happened and it's too late. So they make decisions quickly based on available information. And then they don't beat themselves up if they're wrong. If they're wrong, they make another decision. So it's an adventure. They tend to be decisive and they tend to be focused. And by focus doesn't mean you can't do different things in your business but you are focused on the thing that you're working on and in context with the three, the two that uh, answers I already gave, they tend to be focused on the decision they just made, right? Make it work. If those things aren't there, it's like good luck. And you may even succeed, but you're going to be tortured. That's not what you really want to do. Very good answer. Longer than a minute though. So I have to, I have to discount that. You have to cut. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. Next question. Can you share a moment when you witnessed a breakthrough or aha moment for one of your clients? Wow. It it wasn't a moment, but yes, I have a client who made a decision and over a course of two months, it became hugely successful decision. And what I, what was kind of the aha moment was I pointed out to that person, Hey, you took a risk and made this decision with no assurances that it was going to work and it worked. So maybe it was the time we pointed that over and, and looked, reflected on it a little bit. But um, that's an important thing too. I'll run over a minute here, but is that you look back and see what you've accomplished over a period of time last month, last uh, quarter, last year, and say, wow, I have come a long way. And that's really important. We have lots of aha moments like that. Okay. Very good. Building off of your risk statement there, how do you balance taking calculated risks while maintaining stability in your business? Uh, No such thing as business without risk. End of discussion, period, point made. So you are going to take risks. It's whether or not they're appropriate risks. And there can be lots of measures for what's appropriate. Is it in your skills? Is it in your market? Um, Is it of the right size? If you're a $2 million contractor and you get a $20 million bid opportunity, that's an inappropriate risk in 99.9% of the cases. So you, 
accept the fact that if you're in business, you are accepting risk. That's a defining characteristic of business. And then you have to have means and among which are books and some other to look at things and realize what you're risking against what the potential reward is. And usually that, even if it's back of a napkin, that requires some numbers. There are a whole lot of things. Do I have the people to do this? Do I have the vision to do it? Do I have the capacity to do it in shop space machinery? But uh, you just have to uh, look at risk honestly and what potential reward is honestly and then decide whether or not you want to accept that risk. And so what was the other part? Balance? Yes. Yeah. Maintaining stability in your business while making calculated risks. Is that another question then? Uh, no, I'm going to hold okay. you to it. That was your answer. It's okay. okay we didn't talk about the answer. stability side, but I think I can find stability in there somewhere. Okay. So, uh, next questions, uh, three more. Hey, let me, let me answer that real quick as a supplement. How right. do you get as, stability as a side note, this is, this is in the side. appendix right. of this episode. Asterisks, asterisks. <laughs> How do you get stability in business? Uh, and I'm going to call that mental stability. And the answer is one word, cash. <laughs> have a whole bunch of cash. There you go. Have a bunch of cash. Okay. So, all right. Three more questions. What was the biggest, what is the biggest challenge in building a reliable team for contractors? Understanding who you're hiring, which means that you have an awareness of your culture uh, and you hire not just for skills, but also for their attitude and you know, the old saying is hire for skill, hire for attitude. There, you know, you spend the rest of your life learning how to uh, build and organize and lead a team, but it starts with who's on the team. And I think that's the biggest thing is hiring the right people who are better than you are at the things they do. And then making sure that they understand what's expected of them, how they're measured, that they have the tools and the training to do what they want and that you follow up with them and they get feedback. Very good. So you mentioned culture. How do you foster a culture of continuous learning and professional development in your company? Well, you make it one of your criteria, uh, which criteria meaning one of the values in your culture statement. You have a written culture statement. And you may listen to this podcast and decide to add that to your culture statement, but you need to follow up on it. So uh, I have people who pay $50 to read a book. I have people who have uh, brainstorming sessions where they do process improvement. Uh, so culture of um, learning and improvement, again, goes back to the people that you hire. If you've got the nine to five person who wants out of there and they're not engaged, they do the minimum, they probably don't fit your culture. Yeah. All right. Last question, uh, again, about your team. How do you make sure that your team is communicating effectively uh, between each other and with clients? Okay, I'll give you a real specific example of that. There are lots of things, but um, I have a client we're dealing with that right now. Uh, I have two clients we're dealing with that right now, and they communicate. One guy uh, communicates. I said, how do you communicate with your team? He was complaining. Post-it notes, meets them in the hallway and tells them something, emails, leaves them voicemails, texts, and then also I have software. Uh, you know, that operates their office in their type of industry. There needs to be a central source that you can go look at and the communication needs to be in there. 
if it's not in and you need to build that, insist on it, cause it to happen. And there are lots of other things about communication, but that's one thing is one place to look. There you go. One place to look. You did it, Martin. I thought you did really well. Hey, okay. We're done then. Rapid fire questions uh, all over the place from coaching to team building to making decisions and being decisive and managing risk. Cool stuff. I appreciate your, uh, your insight. Thank you, sir. Okay. See you around. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.